what AI is going to do is something I've been kind of concerned about in 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 my own way about just the the loss of jobs, right? It's going to replace a lot of of, of work that we do today. I mean. There have already done studies proving how uh, capable it is at certain tasks, so it's going to eliminate a lot of jobs. And what that looks like in the future, I guess, concerns me because, you know, as a society, you know, we have a lot of individuals who rely on their vocation to earn a living. So what happens when those individuals are displaced from their work? Like, there's broader uh, economic impact on society as a whole. And what are countries and governments going to do? help address that. I mean, it's not as though we want to eliminate those jobs, but how are we putting in place the, the guardrails to help ensure that the individuals whose job, jobs are lost due to the advancement of AI? Like, what does that mean? Hi, uh, welcome to uh, the Cyber Express. This uh, this is called the Security Bill. So uh, I think we have actually spoken a couple of times. Our conversations and journey actually goes goes a while back. Uh, in fact, yeah, I think it's, it's nice the first to... time that yeah, it's the first time that I think first time connecting like this, right? Exactly. That that's the first. That's the first. But we have spoken way too many times about emails. Without wasting any more time, I would just briefly want to ask about. How do you feel? How do you, would you how would you rate the evolution or, or probably the evolution of AI from the time Chat GPT was rolled out to probably now you know GPT four is 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 right now you know is trending. Uh, and then there are so many so many new domains have come up uh, with I, uh, AI as as the as the last words and things like that. So do you think we are in the mid middle of an AI revolution? Uh, and how do you think cybersecurity industry has been coping up? I think we're still just barely scratching the surface, to be honest. It's like we're just in the infancy, really, with the rollout of ChatGPT becoming more available to the masses. And you see all of these new iterations coming out. There's a lot of creative uh, individuals who are coming up with things like AutoGPT, which is like um, taking ChatGPT and then superpowering it, Agent GPT, creating these agents that will perform tasks, not just singular focused. So I think we're still just barely scratching the surface. And naturally, you know, we have broader cybersecurity concerns about what that means in terms of like how will threat actors take advantage of these generative AI tools. And I mean, we obviously know some of the more common things that are available using these, uh, you know, LLMs, uh, large language models. Essentially what it does is it gives individuals who maybe lack the necessary skills to craft really good, uh, very convincing phishing emails. And it gives them an ability to do that and be more successful. And even creating fake profiles on dating apps, because if you think about it, a lot of profiles and a lot of emails contain spelling errors and things that if you look at it on the surface, you might be able to pick it apart and say, this doesn't seem legitimate. So I think it does give some uh, advantage in that regard, but I still think we're a little bit far away from seeing uh, generative AI developing really good custom malware that can be used in attacks. Okay, right, right. Okay, um, so basically, I think that was probably one of the questions that I had, Yeah, you know, and then, okay, generative AI is probably all, all, all of these, you know, uh, uh, they have been, you know, designed and trained with massive amounts of data, but then a lot of 
these times, I we feel we, we believe there is also time you know that when sensitive data can properly be exposed because a lot of them are also out there. Uh, so do you think that is that can that is also another concern that hasn't had a share of you know conversation about? Yeah, I mean, it's ultimately the 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 models are trained on the data that it's been given, and if it's just scouring the internet, training itself based on data from the internet, we know that there's a lot of misconfigurations out there where public data can expose uh, information about customers and organizations. So naturally, there is that concern. I think the bigger concern is when we access these models as individuals working for companies. You know, what sensitive information are we potentially leaking? to these organizations. And, you know, for example, if you start sharing proprietary information about your company and you share it with ChatGPT, what's the likelihood that may, they may be an error coming from them when I'm saying I'm using it, or let's say use it, you see the query I ran, you see some of the data that I shared and it's building right. that based upon what I've shared. So there's obviously that concern when it comes to the privacy standpoint. Obviously, these these organizations are trying to do their best to prevent that from happening. But as you've seen, there have been reports already where that has happened, or there's been bugs found where queries that you've made, I'm seeing the results of those on my end. Right, right, right. Okay, another problem was, again, uh, the, the general bias information, probably, you know, a very discriminatory uh, response to certain type of, type of queries. Uh, so... What can be the best way forward, probably maybe for OpenAI or probably any other make, makers of, you know, of any upcoming uh, LLM models to keep in mind that, you know, this kind of, these kind of issues are not going to not Yeah, you know, that's a really important conversation to be had because a lot of these models are being trained by, you know, individuals, organizations, and we're training it with data that will contain biases. And I think there's been talk about how we can try to address those. I think I've seen a few few articles talking about the inherent knowledge that these biases exist. And I think it's just part of that infancy. Like I said in the beginning of this call, we're still in the infancy of you know, these uh, tools like ChatGPT and GPT-4. They're still very, very much far from being uh, something that we can actually trust to provide us with the most accurate information. And sometimes it's not even just the the you know the biases themselves. It's also the accuracy too, right? If you ask it a question, let's say it has to do with uh, programming, right? If you're learning programming, and you're trying to figure out a, a solution to a problem, it may give you the wrong answer, or it may give you an answer that could potentially create uh, vulnerable code in your code that you're actually putting together. So we have to take into consideration not just the biases when it comes to the development of these models, but also uh, the inherent inaccuracies that can also come from that as well. Right, right. Very well said. Uh, so continuing from there, uh, the, I think one of one of the other problems that initially came across was that, you know, people were asking, ChatGPT to do right now. And there were a few instances, but a few of these models did work. In fact, I think it made, the life very easy for sample sample scriptures also I think that was there was a lot of potential on that. And then OpenAI worked on this. Uh, they came back with saying that you know they fixed these, and but then people could still bypass and you know basically make ChatGPT write the code, but probably some some nefarious or malicious codes that probably was 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 had a bad intent. Uh, so uh, from there, do you think this is 
this is a severe concern uh, knowing that you know at the end of the day ai will obviously be trained by people who are you know who are and, and who have you know good intentions and then there are people bad intentions so where do we draw the standards where does this lead yeah no i mean there are inherent challenges too because i know that there's some people who have been able to basically trick chat gpt into basically acting and operating as if it doesn't have the barriers that have been put in place by the people that have created it so you're right there are concerns about you know bad actors getting their hands on the ability to craft malware i still believe based on what i've seen that the malware that's being created it's workable it's usable it's functional but it's not going to be at a level that's on par with what's already out there and granted it gives a, an advantage to up and coming cyber criminals that want to develop or learn about developing malware and things of that nature but you know you're not going to see a full fledged uh, working ransomware product come from generative ai models at least right now and i right. think you know even if it does come up with a way to encrypt files on a system um you know it's it's not going to be at a level of some of the ones that we see today like lockbit 3.0 and and some of the others that are out there that are currently dominating the ransomware space um it just it, i guess it is concerning because it gives them uh, an ability to figure out how to piecemeal it together even if it doesn't provide them with everything it can point you in the right direction at the end of the day right okay so uh just one more question around the same subject um, how how much do you uh, think gpt4 is is an evolution of you know, and then do you find bigger cybersecurity risk or concerns around with gpt4 or what chat gpt i mean i think at this point based on my uh working experience with the gpt4 there's still quite a bit of limitations in place you know you only get a certain amount of queries in a certain time period um they haven't fully opened it up to where you can start sharing images uh with it uh i i think we're still still scratching the surface with that and i think ultimately you know chat gpt is just sort of uh one vehicle on this ai highway if you call it right it's one way to interface with these uh large language models there are others out there right you know we know about Google Bard for example that's also out there too and there's others i mean i keep hearing a lot about it ultimately what i think is is happening now is that it's become very buzzworthy to really talk about uh ai llms if your organization or if you're an individual if you're not talking about it then you're considered behind the times but i think like i said from the get go i think we're still really in in the early stages of this and i think you know gpt4 is obviously going to be super powering things compared to 3.5 and and obviously version 3 but you know we'll have to see where things go in the future what version 5 will look like if they skip over 4.5 for example um but yeah i mean i think we've got a a pretty long future ahead of us when it comes to llms and and generative ai and it's frightening but it's also uh, potentially you know inspiring right right so yes that you the thing you started off with the fact that you know we just scratching the surface so what's in store for us what do you think will be you know what's the future of ai in cybersecurity with with enterprise tools or these sort of any of these gpt models i think broadly 
what AI is going to do is something I've been kind of concerned about in 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 my own way about just the the loss of jobs, right? It's going to replace a lot of 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 work that we do today. I mean, they've already done studies proving how uh, capable it is at certain tasks. So it's going to eliminate a lot of jobs. And what that looks like in the future, I guess, concerns me because you know, as a society, you know, we have a lot of individuals who rely on their vocation to earn a living. So what happens when those individuals are displaced from their work? Like there's broader uh, economic impact on society as a whole and what are countries and governments going to do to help address that? I mean, it's not as though we wanna eliminate those jobs, but how are we putting in place the the guardrails to help ensure that the individuals whose job jobs are lost due to the advancement of AI like, what does that look like? You know, there's been talk of things like a, a universal basic income, something that I've been interested in for many years. Um, mm. That's not something that's really popular in some spaces, but some some places have, you know, looked to Im- implement and institute that and they found some success with it. At the end of the day, you know, there's going to be a lot of job displacement. And that's what concerns me as an individual, because, you know, I, I worry about uh, how that impacts society and how we, you know, how we will take care of those individuals that lose their their jobs. Right, right. Okay, so that's that's one of those negative impacts. What about the positive ones? I mean, if if we can, uh, I think in a in a perfect world, you know, being able to take a lot of the responsibilities that some some workers have, it, there is some benefit to it. But like, there's always going to be trade-offs at the end of the day, right? right. You have ju- you have this advancement of this technology that makes it easier to perform these tasks. You know, um, we don't have to to rely on that labor, but then we also lose that labor, and those individuals uh, lose their jobs, lose their incomes. So there there's going to be a trade-off naturally as a result. Um, so while I think it's amazing the technology advancement what that can do in the future. Some of the things that are, are that I've seen that have really kind of taken me by surprise that are not necessarily cybersecurity related, but I don't know if you've been paying attention to some of the generative AI music that have been created. There's a oh, yes. really big, there's been a big hit uh, of a Drake song that was created just in the last week that people were like, this is, this sounds like Drake, like he actually made it, but it was actually generated by AI and it's very convincing. So there's, it's like you know we're we're we talked about it barely scratching the surface, but we're also kind of not sure how things will look like in the future. What will that affect, like you know, the music industry, cybersecurity? I think you know the way that that generative AI will have an impact on on cybersecurity also remains to be seen. But I think it can have a lot of benefit for organizations if it can help them you know identify and address certain uh, you know cybersecurity issues in their environment, helping to identify uh, points of failure and things of that nature. So there, there could be some, some ways that you can take those generative AI models and then ask certain questions like, okay, uh, which of my uh, systems are vulnerable to this specific CVE, for example? And rather than having to run a query through uh, you know, a product, you're basically interfacing with this chat bot and it's going to be able to respond back and tell you and you can then say hey please patch those systems and then it'll push out the patches to those systems so there's definitely benefits but there's also the negatives too 
right, right, right. Okay, so just just to finally uh, you know conclude on on AI and cybersecurity as such, what uh, where where does the evolution? Probably just just probably now just leave the generation generation damage on society. How, what where, where do you see the evolution of cybersecurity in terms of AI go from now? I think until now. These basically these are these are building code and instrumental tools and finding out anomalies. You know, maybe also you know looking for false positives and all those all these things. And AI in cybersecurity has been has been a thing for So where is that kind of headed? Yeah, I mean you're right. I mean it, it's been around in in different forms. You know, when we think about like machine learning has always been kind of something that has been talked about a lot, especially in the cybersecurity space. And now AI is obviously the new, uh, I guess, coat of paint that we're applying to when we discuss some of the elements of cybersecurity that can be improved with, you know, large language models and, and artificial intelligence. Um, I think, you know, it, it's really hard to say like how each organization out there that works in the realm of cybersecurity will leverage these tools. But I mean, when I think about it, like I gave you the example earlier, just talking about being able to identify gaps in your environment. I think that's one element. I think it's the it's a combination of both the, the uh, large language models and then the natural language processing, being able to ask questions as if you were talking to another human being instead mm -hmm. of a, a large language model or uh, you know a GPT chatbot being able to ask questions rather than trying to figure out what does CVSS score mean like things that are are very obtuse to some individuals you know being able to ask questions like okay that are able that you're able to understand and that model is able to convey back to you in an easy to understand way. All right. Okay. So, uh, I think uh, okay, the crypto industry is dying, and then uh, feels like dying. That's 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 a general consensus. So, uh, and then of course, you know, there are several tax tactics used by you know, cryptocurrency scammers or in social media. Uh, so, where where is that market? I don't necessarily think that the cryptocurrency industry industry is dying per se. I think you know, there's been a lot of talk about legislation. And I think at the end of the day, regulation is going to be a good thing for cryptocurrency. It'll actually give it some additional legitimacy right. in the eyes of a lot of, of organizations that may be on the fence about incorporating it. And it also gives some uh, clarity around it too, because right now it's very easy for cyber criminals and scammers to take advantage of individuals because there's really not a whole lot that can be done to help address some of the challenges that come from uh, cryptocurrency theft. I mean, I think if if you think about it, some of the key uh, threats that have happened over the last few years in terms of the world of cryptocurrency, they're largely about investment fraud, but they're also romance scams, right? We see a lot of that involving right. cryptocurrency too. Um, pig butchering has become quite popular over the last couple of years. And I think it's, it's slowly but surely become one of the biggest uh, threats to individual consumers on dating apps and other applications too. And it revolves around the lack of knowledge and understanding of cryptocurrency and how those markets work. And, you know, if, if I convince you to send me money through some type of cryptocurrency platform, there's no way for you to get any sort of recourse to get it back because you're operating 
uh, in a way that's outside of centralized authorities. And unlike a bank that can reverse a transaction, you can't really reverse a blockchain transaction. Granted, there's some ways to potentially go and obtain those uh, stolen funds. We've seen the FBI do that in some instances. So it's not that it's completely out of the realm of possibility, but if you're relying on a federal agency like the, the FBI to help address some of this, you know, it's not a guarantee that they will. They've obviously proven that they can do it, but I think some of the biggest challenges still remain the same, you know, uh, advanced fee fraud, where you tell someone, I can double your cryptocurrency, pretending to be Elon Musk, pretending to be Vitalik Buterin, the founder of the co-founder of Ethereum, as well as getting people to connect their uh, cryptocurrency wallets to phishing websites. And once you connect it to one of these websites, essentially it'll drain the entire wallet and send your cryptocurrency and your uh, NFTs to uh, an attacker's address. And there's, like I said, no really way to recover them. Right, right, right. Okay, so probably lastly, uh, as business leader or as an organization, what are the, what are the best you know, measures that they can have in place? to ensure that their digital uh, assets are, are safe from hackers who are going into mining and So uh, a few things that, that individuals can do to kind of protect themselves. I think one of the key things would be to kind of segment your account. So if you want to store your assets somewhere, you can store them on what are known as cold wallets. These are like hardware wallets that uh, aren't plugged into the internet and aren't susceptible to having your funds stolen. So it's sort of keeping it as part of like offline storage. Uh, because if you're using what's known as a hot wallet, this is something like a browser extension like MetaMask or a trust wallet or any of the other uh, browser-based cryptocurrency wallet extensions. When you go to a website, it'll try to authenticate and connect to that wallet. And if you grant it access, it'll be able to take the funds out of your account. And if you don't know that you're connecting to one of these websites, because it looks just like the real thing. And I mean, I know when we think about like phishing, you know, we always focus on the, the padlock icon, but we know that it's easy to obtain SSL certificates and have that padlock. And a lot of the domains that they create are very clever and crafty. So I think having separate uh, separation of your, your, your major accounts with funds and NFTs and only connecting like, say like a burner wallet to something that, you know, you're not really sure about, but you want to interact with it. So that way, if they do try to steal funds, it's not going to affect your actual uh, accounts with all of your data and never ever give out your uh, private uh, keys, never give out your seed phrases for your wallets. That's probably the biggest piece of advice. If anyone ever asks you for that, never give it out. Well, right, so it was it was again an amazing conversation. Thing. So so glad to have you. We have always been a fan of your work. So it's it was it was really great to have you here. Thank you. It's it's my pleasure and happy to be here and hope to to come back soon.